The Baby Lambs podcast may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, hello, and welcome back to episode two of Hunt a Killer, uh, Moon Summit, right? Is that what it's called? Moon Summit? I forget. It, uh, this is Ashley here, one half of Baby Lambs. Uh, yes, we are still social distancing, and yes, I am still alone. Well, I'm not alone. I have my husband here, Gabe, who has been nice enough to be in the other room while I do this. But yeah, so uh, for those of you who don't know, Hunt a Killer is a, a, a box series, if you will, of a story-driven, clue-filled uh, sagas that you, the player, get to go on each uh, box. So uh, each season has its own you know, themed story. And uh, last season, Lisette and I did complete the class of 98 box together. And that was a whole lot of fun. Uh, Hunt a Killer is a really cool organization. They do a lot of cool things. Um, they they help with the Cold Case Foundation as well. So uh, proceeds from each box go to help actually like solve unsolvable murders and that's pretty neat so if you're ever interested in getting to know hunt a killer especially in you know the times that we're in right now where many of us are doing a lot of stuff from home um check them out you can save 20 percent off your first box by using discount code baby lambs that's b-a-b-y-l-a-m-b-s so, like I mentioned, this is episode two, so you will have, it, it's in your interest to listen to episode one before you go into this episode, so you can see what, you know, what's going on. But generally speaking, we are, uh, we are investigating a college exhibition uh, to, like, a kind of like, I guess, like a study abroad, but not abroad, because it's us um they it we're basically studying the events of a of an exhibition that was led by an academic leader a faculty member who is uh looking at a rare form of lynx cats that are indigenous to a a particular part of alaska and someone on that exhibition was um killed now in the previous episode we learned that while the uh initial I guess uh, the initial uh, diagnosis, if you will, of this young man's death was of a bear mauling. Um, but part of that first box was to identify if if it could have been murder, 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 murder. Okay, uh, so we did discern, we did determine that it was, and now we are at the second box. So here it is. Right? Wow, sounds real, real heavy in there. Um, so I'm going to take a moment to open up this box. I have not looked in it. I have not taken a peek inside. Uh, and while I do that, how are you guys doing? I feel like 
I have to ask because everybody's doing their own thing right now. I don't know when you're listening to this, but at the time that I'm recording this, you know, the country is uh, is is sort of going through a very unique time. We're in a global pandemic right now um, based on uh, COVID-19. It's spread quite a bit throughout the country. And in an effort to reduce some of that spread and to alleviate some of that from our healthcare workers, uh, you know, who are doing incredible work and in keeping us all healthy, we are indoors. We have been social distancing. Um, so I hope that this, at some point you'll be listening to this episode and you'll be able to listen to it with your friends <laughs> in close quarters. Uh, but for now, we are just apart. So these kinds of things are actually really, uh, the, this, this Hunt to Killer stuff couldn't have come at a better time, especially for me. So now I'm going to open the box. What do we have inside? Okay, so we have we have just an envelope this time. Okay, but the envelope feels like there's a bunch of other things in here. So let me see. Oh, it's like a fat, a fatter manila envelope that I'm used to. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and open that. They really do, I mean, I know I say it in each episode, but they do such an incredible job, like, making it feel real and making it seem real, like, you know, like, having, having like, all the evidence that are in Ziploc bags are in, like, what looks like evidence bags and, like, reports look like real reports, like, autopsy reports and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. Okay, I'm having a little trouble getting this out. Okay, we're out. All right, and we do have a couple of evidence items. It looks like we have a hiking medallion found at Moon Summit National Park. And we have, what is this? A compass. Okay. This compass was collected by Ranger Beth Fleming, who we met in the last episode. Okay. All right, so let's put those aside for now, and let's look at the letter from Michelle Gray. Okay, so the letter reads, So I think it's safe to say that we officially have ourselves a case. It's certainly not cut and dry, but identifying the murder weapon was an excellent first step. I commend you for your attention to detail, especially concerning the autopsy. There were critical elements that have been overlooked in the initial, in the initial investigation. Whoever killed Toby worked hard to cover it up. Ami was right to suspect something was wrong, and I'm glad you caught it. You're welcome, Michelle. I asked Ami to address you directly from now on in case I'm too busy to send a letter in the future. She's the one who's gathering all these materials after all, so she'll be able to give you more insight about them. I'm essentially a shipping service for you, but I'll try to keep on top of all the important facts of the incident so that we're on the same page. Now that we know the nature of this investigation, I need to make sure our shared desktop has extra protection. I'll be changing the password every so often to maintain security. The new desktop password is, I'm not gonna tell you, don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you. Which you can see, uh, which you can use to see the updates I've made. Ami sent me several SD cards she found from the expedition. We, uh, to save us all some time, I only uploaded the photos taken around the time of Toby's death. I keep calling it an exhibition, like it's like, at like, <laughs> like a museum, an exhibition, but it's an expedition. Oh, geez. There's one thing I'm curious about. 
If we're to treat the remaining five expedition team members as murder suspects, how did the killer commit the murder and make it back before anyone noticed? Toby died sometime between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. Looking at the trails on the topographical map Ami sent along, the killer must have taken a very specific, quote, escape route, end quote, along one of the trails back to camp. When you figure out this route, send me a message through the contact shortcut. Title the message with the name of the trail you think the killer used. Identifying the trail might help our timeline and also confirm that the killer was someone on the expedition team, not just a random passerby. Although I doubt there are many of those in the isolated Alaskan, uh, in the isolated Alaskan wilderness. If you're having any trouble, title the message, nothing found, and I'll try to find some time to help you out. I'm eager to learn, uh, learn what you're able to, dis- to uncover. Goodness gracious, can I read today? Michelle Gray, signed Michelle Gray, private investigator, Gray Investigations, LLC. Beautiful. All right, and underneath is another letter. This time it is from Ami Takahashi, uh, and it is a it is on letterhead from Whitlock University, the, de- the Department of Natural Sciences. Investigator. Michelle, let me know that you'll be handling Toby's case from now on, now that you've found proof his death wasn't quite the accident we were led to believe. It is. It was such a relief to read that. I knew something was wrong, but I felt like I was crazy. I'll keep searching here at Whitlock and send you anything I think is relevant. You should still have access to my university portal, so I'll see. So, so you'll see I uploaded another digitized document for you. It's named, quote, blump. From what I can gather, Whitlock is keeping all these materials and data to themselves with the expedition that the uh, Whitlock is keeping all these materials and data to themselves until the expedition can pick back up. The only problem is that I don't think they'll ever be able to regain support after what happened with the last team. I've been looking into the backgrounds of the team members, and I found an article about Emma Clarkson, the field researcher. I knew she used to work at Whitlock, but I somehow hadn't heard anything about how her previous position in the department ended. I also got my hands on some faculty reviews of Nigel Ritchie and Conrad Wildingham. Don't ask how. I've taken a few classes taught by them before, but I never had any real issues. Oh, and I hope you don't mind, but I also included a scan of a loose page from Toby's notebook that I found. I want to hold onto the original page for now, since it's the first thing in his handwriting I've seen in these archives. I was surprised it was in a stack of unrelated papers. I mean, it just seems like notes about photography, but I still don't know where the rest of his notebook is. Everything from the expedition looks like it was shuffled around in transit or something. I don't know what sort of investigation, what sort of investigative work you're doing right now, but could it be helpful to think about the relationship between the expedition members? Right now, I just can't understand how things could have gone so wrong in such a short time. Or maybe there was always something wrong from the start. Hmm. Anyway, I should let you focus on whatever you need to do. But before that, I want to thank you for taking this on. We've never met and likely never will. But you're still helping me with one of the darkest things I've ever had to face. It means more than I can say. Signed, Ami Takahashi. Ami, you're so sweet. All right, and yes, there is a um, a map here of the Moon Summit National Park, Region 3A trail marker and map. So I'm sure that I'll be taking a closer look at this later because it is legit a map uh, with um, different trails and stuff like that. So I'm going to put that to the side as well. And now I'm going to look at this folder here. So there is a folder and I'm going to be doing a bit more reading. 
let's see. On the left-hand side, we have what looks like a weekly report from the Department of Natural Sciences. It is dated August 29, 2018. The report name, Moon Summit Expedition Team Report Number 17, and it was written by Nigel Ritchie. Okay. All right. To Douglas Plinkley. Going into the final stretch of this grand adventure, Team Morale is at an all-time low. At the outset, we thought ourselves to be following in the footsteps of Vasco da Gama, fate-bound toward new discovery, only to realize we are more closely following the trail of Fawcett, stumbling blind through the jungle until perishing from exhaustion, or worse. At the beginning, I had a nagging notion that this might be nothing more than a wild goose chase, but Conrad's fierce determination and zeal won me over. I am ashamed, if sadly not surprised, to admit it seemed he was that he has made me to play the fool once again. Ooh. Of course, not all of our troubles fall on our leader's shoulders. We've been working on a shoestring budget from the start. The trail cameras, the trail cameras we, procru we procured are hardly up to task. Half of them no longer work, and those that do no longer respond to movement. Interesting. Emma came up with a clever workaround that has them take pictures at set intervals, but due to data stor storage, but due to data storage restrictions, the intervals are only once every 15 minutes. The likelihood of finding anything of note with such a crude sampling tool makes going through the captured images an exercise in, in futility. Luckily, we have a grad student for such an endeavor. Speaking of Toby, he seems to be the only one of us in good spirits. I admire the naive optimism of youth, even if it is a bit tiresome after nearly four months. He's still positive we're going to find this damned feline, and he'll be the one to snap the legendary photo. Meanwhile, Conrad's mood grows fouler by the day. Emma is furiously drafting and redrafting the endangered species permit, and Lillian alternates between bouts of exuberance and despair over how her film is coming together. Rusty seems to be completely unaffected, but I doubt even a grizzly breaking down at his front door would be enough to get the man to express any kind of emotion. Sadly, this expedition is turning out to be a little bit, a little more than a waste of time and money. While this failure rests in part upon all of our team members, the ultimate responsibility must lie with leadership. I hope the university recognizes the folly of handling full control of, of handing full control of such a significant endeavor over to someone like Conrad Wildingham. He was a fool for the he was a fool the first time he published this nonsense with no evidence, and at this rate, he's on course to do it again. In the end, this mistake will have its price. I just hope that those who have had who have had no say in the matter won't be left to foot the bill. Well, Nigel, tell us how you really feel. Okay, and then there are some photocopies of, I guess this is, okay, so these must be from the notebook that Ami talked about. Um, and the notes are, it's basically like a photo page of two pieces of notebook paper. The notes are from, it looks like it's from May 20th through June 6th. Uh, let's see. 
there's like some ID information and a password here, so I'm sure that's going to be important. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. The notes here say on the 20th says the views just got bigger and more beautiful out here. Glad I packed the extra SD cards, but I wish I packed more socks. I did stop by the visitor center when we first got here and bought everyone a hiking medallion. Oh, that's what we have here. The hiking medallion is one of the is one of the items um, in evidence. Thought it would be f a fun team souvenir. Only Rusty brought us uh, brought a hiking stick, but maybe we can all carve our own one night. Could be fun. So I guess this is supposed to go on your hiking stick. I don't know. I've never never been on a hike, but I hope after all of this is over, I'll go on a few. On May 22nd, found signs of a ground squirrel burrow between Cam Q32 and Knotwood. Should be easy to come back and get better shots when I know the tread better. Aperture, best for big scenes. Na -na -na. Keeps everyone in focus. Clear silhouettes with undefined features. Large landscapes. Okay, so he was like listing what apertures on the camera would work for certain uh, looks. The 29th, let's see, T4 has made some shots difficult. That's one of the apertures. Temperamental autofocus, use only with decent lighting. Has made some shots difficult. This really isn't the footage I want to be taking. Hope it's not like this the whole time. On the first, no sign of the ghost links yet, but I, but I found, oh, excuse me. No sign of the ghost links yet, but it's still. But I've still filled almost a third of my digital short, uh, storage. I should take it easier and limit my exploring. T8 will be glad to see me less. Okay, that's the aperture. Uh, 6-3. If Alaskan sunrises weren't so gorgeous, I would sleep in a lot later just to fill, just to miss F1 force pre-coffee bickering with everybody. Big scenes with shallow depths of focus. <laughs> I guess these are also like, maybe these are codes for how he, like, how, how he describes the people. Interesting. Big scenes with shallow depth of focus. Temperamental autofocus. Use only a decent lighting. Keeps everyone focused in large groups. Clear silhouettes with undefined features. Large landscapes with lots of detail up front. Interesting. Let's see. Uh, if Alaskan sunrise, pre-coffee bittering with everybody. And the last one, finally, finally, finally got a good series on the on the hair family by Snowshoe Trail. Sending to international terrain as soon as T22 clears out of the lab. Not trying to get stuck listening to another monologue on T11's hubristic follies as a leader. Still, if I end up using any more work, and if they, if, still, if IT, what? If it ends up using any of my, any of my work in their magazine, this trip may end up being worth the drama after all. Okay. Well, excuse me. So definitely these apertures are, are codes. So I'll have to look into that a little bit later, but okay. All right. So that's, that's the end of the left the left side of the folder on the right side on the right side we have what looks like a piece of a magazine Whitlock City Living 
it's an article i think that was in a news in some sort of magazine it says controversial environmental researcher makes waves at whitlock protest by cora warner all right so this is probably some information about one of the characters here Okay, several dozen students and faculty members braved the cold Tuesday morning to march onto a planned construction site at Whitlock University, (coughs) effectively halting the work that would be the first step to building a new office of administration. At the head of the protest, environmental research associate and lecturer Emma Clarkson kept the crowd motivated with fiery speeches about the impact of this new building on the nearby Southern Bog on the southern bog lemming population that was recently labeled a, quote, special concern, end quote, species by the Department of Natural Sciences. The most memorable the most memorable events of the protest were the dramatic displays by Clarkson and her followers that went viral on social media within a few short hours. In a video circulated online by Whitlock students, Clarkson stands with fellow protesters, many of whom are holding signs with slogans like, Let Lemmings Live and Here to Cause an Anthropocene. (laughs) Cute. Clarkson is in the foreground holding an effigy of the Whitlock University Dean Oliver Reynolds. She is heard shouting, It's time that Whitlock put its money where its mouth is before shoving handfuls of dollar bills into the effigy's mouth. Wow, she really, uh, this footage of the protest, which has since been taken down by the university, brought media attention of the conservation issue. However, many outlets found that they could not reach Clarkson at her office the following day. She was let go from her position at Whitlock University's Department of Environmental Science. Hmm. Whitlock Weekly was able to reach Clarkson at her home and spoke with her about her views on the university's responsibility to help protect local species. Quote, look at the data. We are on track to lose two-thirds of the Earth's wildlife populations by 2020, Clarkson said. Only 15% of our land is protected. The southern bog lemming is at risk of going extinct before there are Environmental Species Act protections for it. The ESA needs to do more than protect land. That just isn't working. Clarkson went on to explain how she hoped her actions would impact not only local at-risk species, but those who have not yet been discovered. Imagine how vulnerable new discoveries are. Most are endangered before we even know about them. Whitlock University has not responded to requests for comment, but the source within the dean's office attested to the fact that this was not the only incident on Clarkson's record that contributed to her de- to the decision to put to part ways with her. The planned construction of the new office of administration will continue next week. Awesome. Emma Thompson is a client to the Rebel Rouser. Okay. It's so cute. And on the back, on the back is an ad for some place called Benny's Bargain Brews. It's cute. All right. I think this, um, okay. So these are the reviews. So these are the professor reviews that um that ami talked about that he uh let's uh, let's see so this one is for conrad conrad wildingham dr conrad wildingham he's a tenured professor this was uh on the date of observation of class was in 2017 all right in the summary it says dr wildingham continues to be one of our best reviewed lecturers it's always refreshing to see tenured professors who care about the students and not just their research it seems most of his negative reviews are from students who are not pursuing the degrees in natural sciences while dr wildingham could be more accommodating to general education students his enthusiasm for the subject uh, material is to be commended 
some of the positive reviews uh dr wildingham has a real passion for the material that is infectious i wish i could take all my classes with him his office hours are amazing he's willing to sit and talk with students for as long as they want to make sure they understand the material easily the best professor i've had lectures are are fascinating and dr wildingham obviously loves what he does the negative reviews Good God, does he need to take it down a few levels. Not everything and not everyone taking intro biology is going to be a scientist. I just need my gen ed credit. God, I hear this all the time. He reminds me of my grandpa, constantly telling stories about things you're pretty sure never happened, but all while you're waiting for him to awkwardly try to hug you. I guess the university finds sen uh, uh, senility charming. Jesus. What is with the animal skeletons in his classroom? It's creepy as hell. One or two? Fine. 35? He has to be on a list somewhere. <laughs> Damn. I gotta be like that though. Alright. So the next one is Dr. Nigel Ritchie. Taken, let's see, about a month after, literally almost to the day, although a month after Conrad. Dr. Ritchie is admired and disliked by his students in almost equal measure. His lectures do not do tend to run long and don't always stay on topic, but he offers more off, uh, official office hours than any other tenured professor in the department. He makes a conscious effort to make himself available to his students that every other professor at the university should try to emulate. The high dropout and failure rate for his, for his courses continue to be an ongoing po uh, point of frustration for students, but department heads appreciate Dr. Ritchie's effort to weed out students who are unlikely to be successful pursuing a science major. In the long run, it is far more beneficial for both the student and the faculty for them to learn this as early in their academic career as possible. So the positive reviews include, I take every class I can with Dr. Ritchie. I don't always understand the topic, but I love to hear him talk. Go to office hours. He's happy to work with any student who are willing to put in the work and a little flattery will get you into his good graces quick. Some of some so many of my friends said to avoid Dr. Ritchie because his classes are too hard. I didn't find that to be the case at all. We're all here to take an active role in our education. I really appreciate that Dr. Ritchie didn't try to hold our hands. He let us discover things on our own, which I found invaluable. Negative student reviews. I want to punch Dr. Ritchie in his smug face. I don't think he could be more condescending to his students if he tried. The only people who get a decent grade are the ones who suck up to him. Sorry, I'm here for an education, not to stroke this clown's ego. Ooh. Bragging about how many students fail your, class, uh, fail your class is such a weird flex. It's literally his job to teach us, and he's proud of how bad he is at it. Ooh. I feel like the people at Hunter Killer went to real faculty reviews. Oh, man. Okay. All right, so that's all of the physical material, um, you know, at first glance. I'm sure I'll look back at some of these, and especially this map, because I know that that is part of the mission, right? Is to identify which track or which um, trail the person could have used. But I know that there's also some information in the online portal. So I'm gonna have to go back into the previous box to get those login details. So what I'm looking at are like photos. It looks like these are some of the SD cards that they were, that were found at the expedition. Um, so these were taken by Toby. It's like right now I only see a, like one scene, but in different modes. So it's like in different colors. I do see like some sort of a creature. 
think it's a creature. Maybe it's... It looks like a fluffy dog. It's probably not a dog. Interesting. What is that? I think it's just me, though. I'm just zooming in to take a closer look at the photo. Oh. Oh, there I could change the mode. Oh, hello. Okay. Well, he did say in his journal, he said that he had found, like, good stuff. Cam Q32. Is that one of them here? Trail Cam Q32. Okay. Let's see. What is it about this trail you like so much, dude? What did it say? Found signs of a ground squirrel burrow between. Cam 32 and not wood should be easy to come back and get better shots when I know how to tread the tread um, the tread how to tread lighter. Am I supposed to like know what a squirrel burrow is supposed to look like? I mean, I see what looks like planks of wood. Well, that also tells us another place on the map. There's a map area that probably is labeled as Q32. Hmm. Nope. <laughs> it's not here. Alright, I'll I'll come back to you later. Ugh, this is tough, man. This is tough. It's tough to look at like pictures of places that are that don't mean anything to you. cameras that were set up at different trails. So maybe hmm. Alright, well we know where the cameras were set up. I guess the idea is to try to figure out which of these trail cams are which. Hmm. Well, first, I think we should probably identify where his body was found. Right? The body confirmed seven years from the entrance of Echo Cavern. Cavern is around here on the map. Maybe I should get a pen. One sec. Alright. His body was found near Echo Cavern. So let's just mark an X 
So then we need to figure out which camera was here. I wish that he had a better name for them than just PMRF. Tells me he's not. Because we need to. So there's two main trails that go in that direction. So it would have to be either five or six. six there's a camera set up there so I think I already know the answer to the trail question but I want to keep looking around let's see if I can go in and look at Aka Takahashi's Members of the Whitlock Alaskan Ghost Links Expedition. Following the tragic loss of life at Mount Summit National Park, Whitlock University has decided to indefinitely postpone the remainder of the expedition. The university is grateful for all of your hard work and extends its condolences to you in this difficult time. As for the contract you signed upon joining the project, any data you collected on the expedition is to be handed over to the Department of Natural Sciences. This includes, but is not limited to, photographs videos, documents, samples, and notes regarding any aspect of the Whitlock Alaskan Ghost Links expedition. These all will be returned to you if and when the Whitlock University is able to secure this, the support necessary to continue the project. Publishing the findings of any kind without the express written consent of Whitlock University is a violation of your non-disclosure agreement and will result in the university taking legal action. These restrictions also extend to any interviews or comments provided to the press. Thank you for your understanding and cooperation. Any questions may be referred to the office of the university president, Amanda Young. Okay, wow. It's a little much. Just a hair too much. I am gonna just go ahead and go to the contact page. Since I think I already know sending the trail that I think they used. So now I'm just going to wait to hear back. So yeah, so the way that this works is now I have to, I'm going to wait to see if I was correct. All right, so I wasn't right. But I guess I needed to choose a trail that would get them back fast enough. I might want to revisit the evidence in closer detail. 
I guess this means I have to go back to those photos. enough attention to those photos also the only one that had an infrared option and the timestamps yeah that's right mm. wow so cool all right well yeah well that's the end of this episode what a what a doozy it's been just got, what a whirlwind of things. We learned a lot of stuff. This was a pretty light box, but it was interesting. We got to go through photographic evidence. We got to look at infrared camera lens stuff. We got to, you know, pay close attention to some of these uh, clues here. It looks like I found a clue for a future episode on here as well. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much for joining. I hope that this was entertaining for you a little bit. I hope that this was able to at least uh, sit in the background while you, I don't know, clean the house, played another game, or I don't know. I hope you're all doing well. I hope you're all washing your hands. I hope you're staying healthy. I hope you're drinking lots of water and taking your vitamins. And uh, Lisette will be back. We will. We definitely are still doing episodes together. We're still doing, um, you know, we're do, we're still practicing social distancing. So we're we're using the technology before us. But uh, I I thank you for let for letting me do this alone and uh, entertain you all a little bit. Remember, if you're interested in getting your hands on one of these boxes, definitely use our discount code at HuntKiller. Uh, uh, you can get 20% off your first box. Um, but otherwise, thank you so much for joining. I think I've said that enough already. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye! Thank you for listening to the Baby Lambs Podcast. Artwork created by Janabelle Art. You can follow her on Instagram at Janabelle Art, or you can follow her studio at Studio Nami Tattoo. Music created by Daniel Acosta and produced by Sunset Studios Miami. You can follow them on their Instagram at Sunset Studios Miami. And you can follow us on Instagram via our handle at Babylands Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at Babylands PCast or Babylands Podcast. You can find us now on iTunes and Google Play and even on CastBox, which is actually a really cool app. Also by finding us via our handle, Baby Lambs Podcast, or by visiting our website at babylambspodcast.com.